I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So, it is the month of May 2021, and it is once again that time of the month wherein we do our special Catching Up on Blu-ray episode, wherein we take a look at the month's upcoming physical media releases. So that would be DVDs, Blu-rays, and 4Ks, and all that bullshit. But uh, in joining me in this endeavor, uh, I have my good buddy Brad uh, from the Cinema Speak podcast. How's it going, Brad? It's going excellent. Uh, glad to be here talking about some new release Blu-rays. And Trevor, thanks again for having me, man. Oh, man, it's always great having you here, Brad, especially uh, because it's May 2021, and for whatever the fuck reason, every disc distributor out there decided to just, like, unload everything they got. Like, all the kids, everybody in the pool, everything we got. Yeah, I don't know if it's, uh, they think now is the time where people are spending that stimulus money or something, if this was the projected uh, date for the big big spending, I don't know, but yeah, it seems like it's a big month, and, uh, like, every single week, like, because on... My show, we go kind of every single week. We highlight the new release Blu-rays for that week, and uh, every single week, I was commenting. I'm like, "Oh, this is a big week for Blu-rays," and next week, "Oh, this is another big week for Blu-rays." And it's just like every week was like, "Wow, there's some heavy hitters." Sometimes, like in the past few months, there's been times there's just like nothing some weeks. So it is nice that there's some good stuff out there. Oh yeah, no this this month is totally packed, and part of me wants to think that like maybe it has something to do with theaters just now kind of starting to get reopened here in the states mm-hmm. uh, so yeah. maybe this is this is like the i don't know the production studio's way of trying to recoup some of those losses where it's like well if we can't get people in the theaters maybe we can get those diehard physical media collectors out there to start opening their wallets um, it's a good theory it's a good theory it, it's a theory it's not exactly genius level shit but it's not for 4d chess but you know it's something <laughs> but um so folks at home if you would like to follow along uh with the home version of catching up on blu-ray uh you can just go ahead and navigate to uh, the website blu-ray.com and then look up the release date calendar uh so once again we're going to be talking about may 2021 and uh physical media releases generally occur on tuesdays of each week uh, so it looks like our first proper release date here uh, is May 4th. And uh, as is customary with how Blu-ray.com likes to uh, lay out their release catalog, uh, we have our 4K discs uh, right up front. And right out the gate, we have one that I have yet to pick up, um, mostly because I have yet to find it. Um, it's been short in short supply in my neck of the woods, but that would be uh, Jan de Bont's, uh Speed from 1994 on 4k and uh brad uh, does speed mean anything to you well i gotta say it, it does uh obviously but i am in a desperate need of a rewatch for speed because uh i've, I've seen it and i want to say probably the last time i saw it that was like high school and i just have a feeling this next rewatch of speed is going to be life-changing for me especially on 4k um, I, I definitely need to pick this one up. I've not picked it up either, but I, uh, it's a movie that I need to watch again very soon. Oh yeah. No, I, I can't even tell you the last time I watched this movie, but what's really funny about this movie is that I have seen this movie an ungodly number of times. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. This, this was, this was the VHS tape in, in our parents' house that my brother would always roll his eyes at and be like, again, are you fucking serious? Little brother of mine. You are you are monopolizing our t- our TV time, our collective child privileged TV time 
to rewatch Speed yet again. It's like, yeah, I, I don't know what it is. I just can't stop watching Speed. Um, but that was a long time ago. That was when I was probably like, I don't know, 13. May, yeah, probably when I was like 13 and, and younger. Um, and I can't really recall watching it after that um, too often. But yeah, I'm really excited to check this one out again, especially in 4K. And especially because I've been having a grand old time uh, introducing my girlfriend to movies. Um, because she she hasn't watched all that many movies, like especially from like the 90s and from the 80s and whatnot. Uh, so just the other day, we went to the, the drive-in theater um, for the first time. I, I know you did that a couple of times during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a first for me and her. Um, and she hadn't seen Wayne's World before. Oh. Which, <laughs> which uh, folks at home, if you're not aware, is probably the most often quoted film uh, on catching up on cinema. So obviously it's a movie I know frontwards and backwards, but for her, it was all new and she kind of got to see it on the big screen in a way. And part of the fun of that is me getting to sit there and like gauge her reactions to everything. (laughs) And I feel like speed would be fun for her too. Cause it Mm -hmm. like, she likes Keanu, everybody likes Keanu and she also likes Sandra Bullock and you know, it's both of them young and hot and, (laughs) and and it's a pretty solid action thriller on top of that. Yeah, uh, you know, not too crazy about Sandy's hair uh, at this time. It was not her best <laughs> hair phase, but uh, she's good in it. Jeff Daniels is in it as well, correct? Uh, I'm a huge, uh, huge Jeff Daniels fan from my home state of Michigan, so that's got another reason why I'm dying to revisit this one. Um, so, yeah, this will definitely be a, a pickup eventually. Um, and I remember you were saying, though, like even finding it online was difficult, correct? Uh, yeah, I haven't. I think in uh, at least in my area of the country in the Pacific Northwest. Um, I don't think it's available on Amazon right now. Mm. Um, okay. So it's definitely not available everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. But you got to own it. You got to own it. Hopefully not the, uh, uh, the steel book. I hope you're not uh, at that level of desperation. I don't know if you're seeing this here, <laughs> but that is ugly. Oh my God. That is a bad looking steel book. Gross. <laughs> I haven't bothered to check that out, but that tells you how much I'm interested in getting the, spe- the steel book. So, yeah, fingers crossed I don't end up stooping to that level. But yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely want to pick up this disc as soon as I can. Oh, shit. I just I just found the steel book. Yeah, it's, it's... <laughs> yeah, that's truly hideous. Even the even the color palette, like whoever decided with that, it's like, yeah, let's just pee on the case and call it good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, no, that's not exactly aesthetically pleasing. But yeah, I'm going to pick this one up as soon as it becomes available. Like it, like if I see it out in the wild, I'm just going to grab it. But mm-hmm. um, beside that, though, we have another 4K release, and that would be Tim Burton's Big Fish from 2003. Um, I believe this is its debut on 4K, and this is a little bit of an offbeat entry in his filmography. And I'm kind of ashamed to admit it. Uh, I've seen some obscure works of Tim Burton's before, like Big Eyes, but I haven't seen this one. And this was one that my brother actually told me a long time ago, like, bruh, you, you really ought to watch Big Fish. I was like, why? He's like, do you do you know anything about our dad? Like, like, like you may find some material to relate to. It's like, I still haven't seen the movie, so I don't really know what that means. But yeah, um, this one's long been on my to do list. And now might be the time. Have you seen this one, Brad? I have. I would say it's up there. I'd probably put it in my top five of his films. I don't think I'd say it's number one or anything like that. But I want to I could be wrong. And it's again, it's been a while. It's probably again, it's probably was high school last time I watched it. For some reason, I feel like the last time I watched this movie, I cried. So, 
I'm probably going to be more likely to cry. If, if I cried in high school watching this, I'm definitely going to cry watching it this time. So we'll see. I'll have to report back to you on that one. But yeah, I, I would really like to uh, revisit this one. Because um, I do actually remember seeing this one in theaters as well. Um, so I've seen I've seen it a few times, but it's just been a while. Yeah. Um, wow. You saw it in theaters. Um, if you cried twice watching this movie, that means I'm most certainly going to cry. Especially because... <laughs> I don't know what it is. Like I, I mentioned this last time we recorded when we did our artful aesthetics uh, Tales from the Shelf episode, or should I say Tales from the Shelf <laughs> episode. Um, and I mentioned that, uh, I don't know, romance, stuff like that doesn't make me feel much of anything, especially when it comes to young people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm an old curmudgeon when it comes to that stuff. But family drama and dad stuff just siblings and dads just fucking wreck me <laughs> i think you're gonna be you're gonna be in for something when you watch this then if i'm remembering correctly uh like the dad stuff specifically could be uh could get the waterworks flowing for you uh so if we're talking trigger warnings i guess like fulci has eye trauma triggers and uh <laughs> this one has dad dad trauma yes, <laughs> warning <yes>. dad trauma <laughs> like oh shit <laughs> what i get myself into yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, but um, also on the same row, uh, we have an offbeat Disney release. And this was part of what Brad had explained to me was, I think this is like the Disney, it's like a special Disney program, movie club, Disney movie club. It's back, baby. Uh, it's back. <laughs> back with a vengeance. And uh, what I'm referring to here is uh, The Black Cauldron from 1985. And uh, this is actually a Disney movie that um, I would like to see. Um, mostly because I hear it's not very good. It is supposed to be a little darker than a lot of things they were making around that time, but it's infamous uh, for having been a massive flop. Like it, it cost the studio tons of money, and it was very technically ambitious for its time. Um, apparently, it's not that great of a movie, so it's like it's one of those things where it's kind of neat that they did it, but at the same time, it's like it's if it's not that good, then it's just not that good. But it's curious to see them like actually try to. <laughs> recoup some of those losses to here and now in 2021 um i'm not going to be buying this but it is interesting what uh what brad had told me about this disney movie club is, is this kind of similar to their uh their vault uh, scenario they had before well this one it's more like you have to if it's how it used to be you have to pay to subscribe to their service well not even their service like it's basically like the the cheese of the month, the jelly of the month club or something like you choose, you, you buy in and it's like you have to pay for 12 different Blu-rays up front or something and you can pick out the 12 you want and then from there I guess you can add on extras from there but it's like you have to continually keep paying for it I think that's why it's the Disney movie club um, and they did I think like was I don't know if it was the first one. One of the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids movies was on there. Like, there's been some few movies where it's like, oh, I'd like to get that. Um, I think Cool Runnings. I don't know if it still is uh, exclusive, but I remember that one for a while was a Disney movie club exclusive. Some my friend Charlie, who's a big Cool Runnings fan, he had to buy the movie secondhand from a uh, Disney movie club. Somebody who bought it and either watched it and sold it or just bought it to sell it. I don't know, but. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a weird, I'm surprised that they're bringing it back when they're seemingly going all in on streaming. It seems kind of weird to go into this again, which I don't think is, I don't think they've been doing this for the last little while. 
yeah this this reeks of like a, a reseller's market type thing like like this just reeks of people buying that shit up and then profiting handsomely off of it yeah um, much like your buddy in cool runnings i don't know what he paid for that hopefully not too much but oh he wouldn't tell me <laughs> he's like i won't talk about it <laughs> shut up brad <laughs> but um in a in the same uh in the same vein we also have a release of valiant uh the i think it's like world war ii carrier pigeon cgi animated film uh it's also a disney movie club exclusive also comes out on may 4th and uh they advertise loudly and proudly first time on blu-ray i'm not sure if anybody cares being as i don't know a single soul who has actually seen this movie um but there it is <laughs> moving on um <laughs> Brad, I'll let you have the next pick. What uh, what jumps out at you next? Um, well, I guess I'll just quick mention. Uh, I don't know much about the the hot spot, but it's uh, worth mentioning. Uh, directed by Dennis Hopper, starring Don Johnson, uh, Virginia Ooh. Madsen, Jennifer Connelly. I don't know much about it, um, but I do like the cover, and it is a uh, Kino release, 2K restoration. Um, kind of intrigued, honestly. Just there's some good names uh, in the mix there. That is a handsome fucking cast. Yeah. Like, uh, Don Johnson, Virginia Madsen, Jennifer Connelly, Bill Sadler, William Sadler, Death Himself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've seen that man's ass. Die Hard 2, Naked Tai Chi. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, I don't know anything about that film, but I'm glad you singled it out because, uh, wow, quite the cast. And mm. Dennis Hopper, uh, eccentric fella. Yeah, yeah. Could, could be interesting, actually. But um, moving down to the next row, uh, we have a couple of movies that um, – I don't know if Brad has anything left to say about these movies, but this is this is one that both he and I reviewed on his podcast, on Brad's podcast, The Cinema Speak, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah from 2021, and beside that, another HBO Max film, The Little Things, which I was not involved in that conversation, but I believe you reviewed that with one of your buddies, correct? Yeah, we did. Uh, we watched and reviewed The Little Things as well. We're, we're doing all the HBO Max simultaneous releases. We we have to do it. We just got to do it. We're going to do In the Heights. I have zero interest in that, but we're going to do it. We just got to keep it going. <laughs> yeah, In the Heights is probably going to be good. I mean, I, I know it's uh, it's probably regarded as Lin-Manuel Miranda's like the, the lesser of his, his musical productions, but you know, it, it's probably not going to be awful, but yeah. Um, it seemed like we both agreed that Judas and the Black Messiah was quite good, um, very much worthy of its Oscar acclaim. But uh, mm-hmm. the little things, I watched that on my own, um, independent of your review of it, and yeah, that is a that's not the best. Like it, it it's kind of a strictly like boilerplate detective story, and it feels like it was kind of built around an ending. That ending with with the hair clip, that is an amazing ending. I that that ending is so good. It makes me like I'm like four months removed from it now, and I'm kind of like, man, that ending was so good. I kind of want to rewatch the little things. I know I shouldn't, I, because it's just that ending. But it's the ending is so good. It almost convinces you, like after the fact, that maybe the movie was better than I remembered, and it's not. I'm sure it's not. No, I, I don't think it is. Like I I don't think it's an awful movie or anything. It's just it's not the sum of its parts because you have three very very talented actors involved in it. Uh, it's a handsome movie to look at from time to time. Uh, it's not edited in a in a sloppy way that makes it like a slog to get through. It's just none of the components go out of their way to like impress you. Like mm-hmm. nothing seems to be trying as hard as it could be. And it makes me think that like if you 
if you took the same script and you made it like a direct-to-video movie or something, it would be like regarded as like a hidden gem or something where it's like, oh man, you gotta get to the end, you gotta see the ending. It's like, you won't recognize any of the actors, but holy shit, the screenwriter was really on the ball with that one. But because we have these big names front and center, all on the cover for that matter, it kind of detracts from the value of the overall package. But yeah, my suspicion is somebody came up with a really cool ending, probably in college, (laughs) and and then pushed it through and we got kind of a fart movie like a fart in the wind kind of movie but with a cool ending yeah and i'm a little surprised i kind of can see it with judas and the black messiah but uh surprised no 4k for the the, the little things or judas and the black messiah because i'll tell you what i'm already on the edge of wanting to revisit the little things because of that ending if this had come out on 4k i would have probably already bought it and rewatched it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, actually, I I think I could see Judas and the Black Messiah getting a 4K release before this one, just because it got better publicity, and it's also quite handsome. Like, there's some shots, especially like that early one. Oh yeah, in the bar with the really neat camera movement, really neat lighting and whatnot. It has a mm-hmm. nice, uh, to quote Joss Whedon, texture to it. Like <laughs> it's a good uh, looking movie. Interior, yeah, like the interior of of one of the organizations, like hideouts. Like when they when they come up through the stairwell and you see that there's like a balcony area. There's some there's some really neat stuff going mm-hmm. on there in terms of cinematography. But the little things, it's like uh, that's all you're getting. <laughs> I think that's a, I think that's all you're getting. But yeah. Um, beside that though, we have uh, Cool as Ice from 1991. This would be the infamous uh, Vanilla Ice headlined film. Um, I've only seen uh, reviews of this movie, like video reviews and whatnot. I I don't need to see Cool as Ice. Uh, I have enough 90s nostalgia movies out there. I don't need this particular flavor of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I'll let you have the next pick, Brad. Uh, what jumps out at you next? Um, let's see here. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure MacGruber has already been uh, released on uh, Blu-ray in the past, so I think that's just a re-release, so I won't mention that one. We've got uh, The Virtuoso here, which... Uh, I'm gonna take a stab. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do your bit here. Is this a Lionsgate movie? I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say. I'm going yes. I'm going yes. Good. Good eye, Brad. Yeah. It is a Lionsgate movie. <laughs> you have opened my eyes to this. I mean, you, this is a sickness now. I can't unsee it. You can spot a Lionsgate from ten paces. Yeah. <laughs> I have trained you well. But uh, you got Anthony Hopkins in here, uh, probably, I'm guessing, in a small, reduced role, probably, just to throw him He's on the cover. He's probably on a laptop in the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, man, I can I can spot those Lionsgate covers from a mile away now. I'm, I'm kind of impressed. I don't know what it is about Anson Mount, like his look, but he makes me nervous. Like something about him looks really phony and, and kind of scary. Uh, he's not a bad actor. I've seen him in a lot of stuff, mostly like smaller budgeted films and like TV. Okay. Like I remember he was on the uh, the Inhumans, the failed uh, Inhumans TV show, the Marvel show. Um, and I think he gets his ass beat by Liam Neeson in, uh, uh, was it the one on the airplane? I can't remember the name. Oh, uh, Unknown? No, not Unknown. No, Unknown's the one where you oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. have you have the Battle of the Irishmen where it's Aiden right. Quinn. Yeah, nonstop. Beats, beat, yeah, nonstop. Thank you. Love nonstop. I love them all. What can I say? He beats Aiden Quinn's ass in Unknown, but he beats Anson Mount's ass in nonstop. <laughs> 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 That's how I remember these films. Who 
whose ass did Liam Neeson beat in which movie? It's a good way to keep him straight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to get him sorted out. But yeah, Ensign Mount just has an interesting look. He almost has like that uh, Sanpaku eye where it's like you can see a little bit of white above and below the iris. Um, not a bad actor, but he has an odd look to him. Something about his hair too, where it's like, is that is that really your natural hair color? It's so cool looking and silvery. <laughs> but... Um, beside that, though, we have an interesting release, uh, one that I'm not—I'm probably not going to be buying, but I've always wanted to see this movie. Uh, this is Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia. This is also a, a Kino release and apparently a 4K restoration. Um, this is a Sam Peckinpah film, and I, at one point in my life, was kind of enamored with Peckinpah, although this is not one of his films I've seen. Uh, I've often mentioned The Wild Bunch um, on Catching Up on Cinema, uh, but this is one that I know by reputation. It's supposed to be quite good. Um, so this is this is a movie I, I should definitely check out at some point. Um, but moving right along, uh, we have uh, The Last Married Couple in America, starring uh, the recently deceased uh, George Seagal and Natalie Wood. Yeah, uh, uh, well, either you could say really good timing or really bad timing, I suppose, for... Kino. I don't want to say really good timing, but uh, certainly, you know, George Siegel movies are on the brain right now. So, yeah, for real. But um, we also have beside that an Arrow release of A Ghost Waits. Uh, do you know this one, Brad? It looks like a recent release. Yeah, I don't. I really don't know. I'm. I was kind of looking at it, and the fact that it is a 2020 release. I mean, every so often, it seems like these boutique labels do come out with a newer release film and it's usually something you haven't really heard of before but it kind of fits in line with their um older property releases uh and so you know i like the cover i think the cover looks really good um but uh, yeah i can't say i heard much about it um when it was actually it like came out last year all i heard about this was when it was released by arrow Okay, yeah, this one's a total mystery to me, so yeah. I'm, I'm glad you had at least something to say about it. Um, but... <laughs> so, I don't know if it was anything good, but it was something. Hey, you made some mouth noises. Let's yeah. move on. <laughs> um, beside that, we have uh, Trances, which is our first Criterion release for the month of May. Uh, this is actually, I think, part of one of the Martin Scorsese World Cinema Project boxes. Um, this is about a Moroccan band, uh, not one that I know. I'm not exactly up on my... Moroccan uh, rock bands and whatnot, but it's in the Criterion Collection, therefore it is more than likely worth your time. Uh, we have a Ken Burns uh, Hemingway film uh, from 2021, so I guess this was recently completed. Uh, could be interesting for sure. Ken Burns generally does very engaging work. Uh, he has his signature style, and uh, while it can be a little easy to fall asleep to from time to time, if you're interested in the subject matter, there's usually quite a lot of information to gobble up so maybe worth picking up if you're interested in learning about Hemingway Ken Burns needs to make a documentary about uh blu-ray collectors that I that I would be into and he could do you know like a full-on miniseries kind of thing I I'd be into that that's that's what he needs to tackle next (laughs) (laughs) yeah actually I would totally watch a a documentary about movie collectors um Actually, that's something that I hope somebody's working on as we speak, because I would totally watch that. Um, Cut this out. Cut it out. Save this. (laughs) That's a billion dollar idea. Put that in the vault. (laughs) (laughs) We're done with that. Move on. Um, Beside that, we have a John Wayne firefighter film called Hellfighters from 1968. 
Um, did you grow up with John Wayne at all, Brad? I'm just curious. I did not. I was not a, a John Wayne family, uh, for better or worse, I guess. Um, I think the only John Wayne film I've seen... Pro- well, no, I guess I I did see the original True Grit. I was going to say the only John Wayne film I saw proper was uh, The Searchers, and I, which I saw in a college class. But other than that, I've he's a pretty big blind spot for me. Yeah, he was kind of like forbidden from our household when I was a kid. Like, like he wasn't welcome in our home. Um, it, a lot of it had to do with uh, some, some choice words featured in a lot of the Pacific theater of World War II films. That's um, fair. That's and, fair. And my, my mom not exactly being especially big fan of, of some of those words. But um, the, ol- the only film of his I've ever seen was uh, McHugh, which I, th- I think was his last film. And I think, if memory serves, may have been filmed in the Pacific Northwest. But mm, okay, um, yeah, my, I watched that one with my dad. It, it basically, it's just like a I don't know a '70s detective movie that he pulls out a Mac Ten at the end. It's kind of cool. He pulls a dude down on a beach. But other than that, <laughs> I don't remember. Fuck, I remember fuck all about that movie. Other than the fact that's the only John Wayne movie I've ever seen. Um, I'm looking at the remainder of the week here, Brad, and it's looking kind of weak. Uh, Got anything you want to single out, or should we boogie on down to the next week? I think we got so much other stuff to talk about, we can skip over these ones that I have nothing to say about. <laughs> okay, well, folks at home, if uh, an MC Escher documentary and something called FTA starring Jane Fonda and Donald Sutherland are exactly what you're in the market for, uh, sorry, we don't really have much to say about <laughs> it. So we're going to boogie on down uh, to the next week. Uh, this would be May 11th, 2021, and right out the gate, we have a uh, Shout Factory release of a film that we reviewed on Catching Up on Cinema very recently, uh, in March, I believe. Uh, this would be the uh, Dino De Laurentiis produced uh, King Kong, directed by John Gillerman from 1976. Um, I have heard that this version contains the, uh, the massive, the massively bloated television edit of the film, um, but Brad, have you seen King Kong 76? I have. I think I watched through the King Kong movies. Uh, I know you guys just did it recently for Godzilla vs. Kong. I think I did it uh, back for Kong Skull Island. I went through and watched the OG King Kong and this one for the first time. And uh, yeah, this one is not very good. You guys, uh, you, you know, you pretty much hit the nail on the head in your uh, in your episode. But I will say that I did not pick this up, did not pick it up. But the, the classic classic Shout Factory thing where I almost got it, where it's like they it, the rare Shout Factory release that actually pops up in store in Best Buy. And it's so tempting just to be like, when you see people are posting it online in these groups, and they're like, oh, it's at Best Buy. You can actually go into the store and buy it. It's like, Ooh, that's tempting. Even though, when am I going to watch this? Even though I probably will buy it someday. But you know, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. If it dropped to below twenty dollars, I would have done it. It was still like holding steady at like twenty seven. Couldn't do it. Yeah, two months ago, when when we were still on on the road to Godzilla versus Kong, I may have picked this up, um, but it came out two months too late because yeah. I have rewatched it recently. Um, I'm aware of the television edit and how it's like three hours long. And uh, having seen the movie very recently, it's like, do I want three hours of this? Absolutely not. <laughs> like, it's one of those things where it's like, I bookmarked it. Like, I, I put it on a wish list on a few websites when it was announced. But by the time it was coming out, it's like, you know, 
I don't think I need to own that. I don't see myself wanting to go back to rewatch that film anytime soon. It does have some charm to it, but not enough that I would want to have it on my shelf. And like, I could never see myself being in the mood where it's like, oh, I think I want to watch King Kong 76 today. Yeah. (laughs) Do you ever think, like, this is a little bit off topic, but do you ever, like, watch a movie and think, that's probably the last time I watched that movie before I die? Like, (laughs) because... I feel like based on your guys' conversation, that might have been you finishing King Kong from the 70s or whatever. Be like, it's probably the last time I'm going to watch that one for the rest of my life. Yeah, I I think as I'm getting older, I do that more often. Um, I I think repetition is one of those things that it it doesn't occur to you as much how, how often you're repeating yourself when you're much younger. Like, you know grinding a video game or something when you're really young just feels natural it's just yeah. you know i want to beat the thing but now when i'm adult it's like oh, i have so much to do <laughs> it's like i don't want i don't want my whole day to be devoted to just this one thing and same goes for movies where it's like i enjoy collecting movies and whatnot but these days like a lot of the movies i end up buying uh, more often than not tend to be blind buys um, just because it's it's a way for me to have an excuse to bring another item into my collection, but it's also a way to exonerate myself of any guilt. Where it's like I didn't know it was good or bad. I just I just brought it into my home. Whereas if I if I watch a movie ahead of time and then buy it, knowing full well that shit, that's on me. <laughs> like, at that point, that's just a bad move. Like yeah. Trevor, you you deliberately wasted your money. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. as opposed to accidentally wasted your money. But hey, it happens. It happens. It happens. But yeah, it is a handsome package, and I do like that they did bother to include the television edit. That That is kind of a big fucking deal um, because I yeah. do know that that was hard to come by. Like, I know it existed in bootleg fashion, but that's a hell of an extra to include. There's a lot of other movies out there that I would actually would like to see that happen for that likely never will. Like the the fabled uh, producer's cut of Cobra is long on my wish list of things I would love to see actually get printed on a disc someday. But I think Shout Factory actually put out a Cobra disc not that long ago, a few years ago, in fact, didn't have it. And uh, they just announced a a 4K hard target, uh, which we also reviewed very recently on Catching Up on Cinema, does not have the uh, the work print cut. Um, It's a bummer. Although it is being, uh, the disc is being, put together under the supervision of john woo himself so it's it's because he doesn't acknowledge that as his vision of the film that's just that's just a work print um so it's kind of unfortunate but it is what it is it's not king kong 76 isn't that great a movie so maybe someday we'll we'll get some of those extra versions of some of those better movies out there but um beside that we have another criterion release of a movie that i think is special to a lot of people uh and it's kind of funny seeing seeing this in the criterion collection but it's it's very culturally relevant so it's perfectly understandable why it would find its way in there but we have a fast times at ridgemont high uh, from 1982 and this is directed it says by amy heckerling but more often than not i believe it's associated with cameron crowe who is the writer of it um have you seen this one brad uh, I have not. Uh, I would like to see it. Uh, it's got a pretty uh, interesting and fun cast. I will say, now I am, I've been busy. I, so I, I'm sorry, man. I've been trying to keep up because when this news was breaking, I said, I got to keep up on this news. So when we talk about the Fast Times at Ridgemont High Criterion, I can give everybody the information that people are dying to know. And unfortunately, I have just 
been too busy. I haven't been able to keep up and follow my sources. So this information could be outdated. But I will say, there's been some controversy with this release. Now, uh, DVD Beaver put up some screen uh, screen grabs, some screen caps from this release, the Criterion, and compared it to the previous Universal disc. And let's just say that some of the uh, some of the images in this new Criterion did not look that great. Uh, a lot of the color looked a uh, very I guess desaturated, um, and some of the 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 skin tones, the flesh, the flesh of these characters looked not they looked sickly there was a sickly look to everybody and i believe some of the framing was a little tighter as well it was like it was a little tighter than the universal there was a little bit on the sides of the screen that was a little chopped off now uh criterion i think did uh release a statement or something and they said they stood by it they worked with amy heckerling directly on this transfer blah 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 and this is going exclusively off of the the screen caps from dvd beaver so people were saying well you don't know how much you can trust the screen caps. Even though it's a pretty reliable source, you don't know until you see it for yourself. That's where I left it. I don't know any... I, I didn't follow it up, so I can't say for sure, but there was controversy with this at one point. So, you know, do some research, I guess, that I didn't do. But there it's... it's, there it's that, that's all I had. That's all I got for that. Yeah, you heard it here, folks. See, that's why I love having you on the show, Brad. You, you give us the inside scoop. You I go to, to the inside like scoop DVD that I, <laughs> I the inside scoop I haven't uh, followed up on. Well, hey, at least you gave full disclosure, you know. Yeah, like you're not trying to lead people on, but I mean, I was I was not aware of that. Uh, <laughs> people were Wayne's freaking world. out, man. They were losing it. Well, I I understand because as I said up front, this, this movie is special to a lot of people, uh, especially in 2021 where you know people are getting older and they they're very nostalgic for this film now, even i'm nostalgic for this film i probably saw this when i was too young edited for television mind you and under the supervision of my dad who probably didn't give a shit about any of the potential nudity and weird sex stuff in there but um, i really enjoy this movie i mm. i have a lot of positive nostalgia for this movie and i actually wouldn't mind owning it because it's been a really long time since i've seen it um, and like you said, the, the cast is part of the nostalgia factor for sure. We got so many familiar faces who went on to do amazing things. I mean, we have Nicholas Coppola in there for fuck's sake. <laughs> it's like, it's a, it's kind of a special movie in a lot of ways. And it does have some weird shit that is most certainly dated by today's standards and it's probably potentially triggering or uncomfortable for some people, but I personally quite enjoy the movie. So, um, I'll actually have to do some research about the the image quality issue, especially the framing. That would drive me nuts, honestly. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, but I, I probably will pick this up. Yeah, once once I once I figure that out, like once I know exactly what I'm dealing with, yeah, I'll probably end up picking this one up. Yeah. Um, now, beside that, though, we have a 4K release of a film that um, I know you and. Uh, a few of your buddies, uh, a few of your regulars on the Cinema Speak, you guys are horror buffs. I know mm-hmm. that much. I've listened to enough of your show to know that, but I don't quite have the best feel for what type of horror fans you guys are. Uh, so I'm very curious, Brad. Um, this 4K disc release that I'm alluding to here is a uh, Saw from 2004, uh, a timely release given that we just had the release of uh, Spiral. A, a, what's the subtitle for that it's like from the book of saw yes yes from the book of saw <laughs> the book of yeah. saw we all know about the book of saw of course <laughs> it's like saw fans can read what <laughs> 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 but um i'm curious brad uh saw 
what was this franchise made to you, if anything? You know, it's the kind of thing where most of the movies are bad, but you have a soft spot for it. I don't know. There's something where, I don't know, it's partly because at that time in the sort of mid-2000s, you know, 2004 to 2010, this was like, I guess there was Paranormal Activity, but it feels like this was like the big horror franchise at that time. Um, So it was kind of cool, like, having that big horror franchise where every Halloween there was a new one of these and uh, so, yeah, I think most of the movies are garbage, and it's crazy how convoluted the stories get, and it's just kind of really wacky stuff. But I do uh, always, and I, we, uh, I'll be releasing my uh, episode on Spiral in a little bit, and I comment a few times that it's like, man, you just get the hankering to rewatch these movies. And I don't know what it is, but every so often I'm just like, I kind of want to go back and rewatch all the Saw movies. <laughs> so I've got, I've got a soft spot for the franchise for sure. Uh, it's funny. I, it's, it sounds weird coming out of my mouth because I don't talk about horror movies that much. Um, but I too have a soft spot for the Saw franchise. Mm-hmm. And a big part of that had to do with the timing. Uh, like you said, it was kind of neat. It was cozy knowing that there was an annual Halloween franchise out there. And I saw none of these films in the theater. I wasn't going to pay money for Saw. <laughs> like, no, no fucking way. Um, but 2004 marked the release of the first film, and then we got one every year after the fact got for God knows how long. Um, this was when I was going into college, and when I was in college and post-college and whatnot. Uh, so I had ready access to a college BitTorrent network. <laughs> so I was able to acquire all of these movies through un- like non-traditional means, and it was it was kind of fun being able to go back and watch all those movies whenever I felt like it. And just the format is very cozy mm-hmm. like i mean they knew what they were doing when they had that that piece of music that plays to close out every single film in the series essentially like as soon as you hear that music it's like regardless of how the experience was leading up to that point if you've been off if you've been along for the ride that long it it just kind of feels good like it's good in a predict it's a predictable in a good way i guess um and it's kind of funny i think of like saw as like the fast and furious of horror franchises essentially like even even like the the dips and valleys kind of are kind of similar like there's a similar pattern going on where it's like it kind of dips a bit in the early sequels and that kind of like perks up a bit as it gets towards the middle then it starts to crap out again and it's like but some of those dips and valleys like some of those some of those high points are pretty high and the 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 lengths that they went to to try to keep the continuity of the story going, oh, like you said, it, crazy. It's utter ridic- It's utter ridiculousness, but it's kind of charming because of it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, just like to think uh, that they kill off the main villain of this franchise in the third movie, like it's insane. But it's also like you kind of have to respect them for it. Like, I mean, that is the fact that they did that. Like, I wish I had. Because I, I probably watched them out of order because I probably watched four before I saw three. Because I, I was not like watched three and shocked that he died. But I have to imagine you're sitting in the theater and watching three and be like, what? Is that, is that the is that the end? He's, he's dead. What are they going to do? Um, so, yeah, it's kind of crazy. The lengths they go to keep his uh, his legacy rolling. Yeah. And uh I, I think most people would agree the first film in the franchise is pretty solid. Um, some of the some first of the two, stylistic first two. first two you like I the second the, one as the well? second one I love the second one it slaps as the kids would say. 
<laughs> so you heard it, folks. Saw two. It slaps. It does. It does. <laughs> I I can't remember. Like I can't distinguish between what memories in my head are associated with what movies. So it's difficult for me to point to any one of the movies that particularly worked for me. Um, the one with Angus McFadden I thought was kind of fun. Um, as the ending of I think it's the second one with Costas Mandalor um, with the the trap floor. Was yeah. was pretty. What that was pretty cool. Like yeah. I, I don't think anyway would argue that that was dumb. But, um, yeah, the first two movies seems like people generally like. I'm not sure. Seems like people are fairly divided about that second one. The first one seems like most people universally like it. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think you would pick this up on 4K, Brad? I don't know. I feel like it's I wouldn't look that great on 4K. I haven't even looked at like uh, any reviews or anything. But um. I don't, I'm torn on that cover too. I kind of like hate that cover, but I also kind of like it. Very strange. Um, yeah, it, it's a little funky. Not gonna lie, it looks like it's been put through a photo, Photoshop filter that it literally just click click done. <laughs> but I kind of like that they didn't just go with like the theatrical poster though. I kind of like that it's like this like weird goofy looking thing. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've been tempted to. Uh, because they, I feel like you can get the complete Blu-ray of all the movies like dirt cheap. Like I see it like all seven movies for like fifteen bucks um, on Blu-ray. I don't know if I would buy this on four K, especially because you know I'm all about physical media. But I think all of them, other than the two most recent ones, are streaming on HBO Max. So that might be where I get my saw fix. Um, we'll see. Okay, we'll we'll see. Uh, it's a it's a hard no from me. Um, <laughs> But I wouldn't be surprised if I end up watching the whole Saw series again, like maybe in the background while I'm working or something. Yeah. Because I'm weird like that. Um, but moving on, uh, we have a 4K disc that seems to be uh, put out explicit- expressly for the purpose of reminding millennials that they're getting old. <laughs> <laughs> so this would be uh, the 20th anniversary edition of Shrek on 4K. Brad, what does Shrek mean to you, if anything? I don't know if it means much to me, um, <laughs> other than to say that uh, Eddie Murphy was nominated for a BAFTA for his performance as Donkey, which is uh, pretty impressive, I guess. I can't think of too many uh, other voice actors getting nominated for major awards. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I watched this movie when I was younger. I don't really have much much desire to go back and revisit it. Yeah, it. I remember the second one being surprisingly good. Um, and I've actually heard some of the sequels uh, are pretty good as well, uh, but I haven't bothered to check them out. Shrek means very little to me, um, but I do think it's funny, like the story behind it, like the how it's basically a movie made out of spite. Mm-hmm. Like, like there's there's your production budget, but then there's there's also your like spite tank. <laughs> and the spike t- the spite tank was full that day <laughs> because this is famously. Like one of the earliest like DreamWorks CGI animated productions. There's a lot of jabs taken at the Disney Corporation in the film, and that has to do with one of the lead producers of the film um, having been, I think he was a former Disney employee, and uh, he broke away from them and had some negative feelings towards Disney, and he expressed them on film, or at least pressured the filmmakers to include those thoughts on film. Um, so that aspect of it is charming. Like just just the fact that like, he spent like top of the line CGI 
just just to flip the bird to the fucking house of mouse but okay <laughs> yeah and never forget that uh he did get the last laugh because shrek did beat out monsters inc for the first ever best animated feature oscar so he won he won but anyway um moving on we have a dc animated universe uh film on 4k justice society world war Two. Uh, those are generally fairly mediocre, although I have noticed that they've changed their animation style in the past couple of years. Uh, so maybe from a visual standpoint, it'll be a little bit more impressive than some of their previous offerings. But on the whole, I find most of these DC animated films, these like direct-to-video films, to be uh, just too much punching, not enough story. Where it's like they always have like a title, like usually based off of like a really really famous comic book arc one that usually I know going in and I'm expecting to see realized on the screen. It's like, well, you took the broad strokes of that and just filled out the rest of the runtime with punching. It's like, you know, like I, this is coming from somebody who is like a, a martial arts film fanatic. Like I have no problem. I have no qualm with punching in my films. It's, it's always appreciated regardless of genre. But if you're going to promise me the killing joke, do the killing joke like like we we don't we don't need all these other shenanigans especially like unwarranted punching but um brad is this the first time the fast and the furious is uh debuting on a 4k i want to say it actually is for the original i feel like i actually checked that before but let me double check here um oh no i guess it's not i guess it has been on 4k before um in some horrendous looking uh packaging in the old one so yeah, this is uh this has been on 4K previously. Just some new repackaging. I don't even know if there's any new features on it or anything. I haven't heard as such, and you know, obviously this is just to remind everybody that's like, hey, Fast and Furious Nine, that movie that was probably supposed to come out a while ago, is finally coming out now. So go watch it. Um, what are your feelings on the Fast and Furious franchise, Brad? Uh yeah, I kind of like where they go. I think uh, Fast Five. Probably five and five through seven were pretty solid. Just they really upped the fun and the ridiculousness. Um, and you know, you can always usually count on at least in these recent ones that there will be some sort of fun, over the top, insane set piece. Uh, like eight, I was not like too crazy about, but I did really like the whole uh, where they hijack all the cars and basically turn them into like zombie cars. I thought that was really cool. Um, I don't know the stuff about family that keeps people coming back. Like the everybody loves the characters in this. I don't know. I don't really care at all for these characters. To, I to be honest, I mean, sure the whole you know Paul Walker thing, but I mean people only cared about that because he actually died. So I don't know. The characters in this are nothing to me. Yeah, I I think I'm in complete and total agreement with you, Brad. Like the first. I kind of like Tokyo Drift. I I agree. I do like Tokyo Drift. I agree. I mean, it's basically it's basically the Karate Kid, but with cars, mm-hmm. which is fine by me. Like it, it works. The the actual stunt driving is pretty cool in that. Um, as is Brian Tyler's soundtrack. Like he scores, I think, all of the films, but the soundtrack for that one in particular is really good. Um, first, the second one I think is the. Sh- that's the shit like and i mean like the dumps like the the worst in the entire franchise first one is pretty standard except from from a style standpoint i can see why it why it became such a thing because it 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 was the right time for that movie with with those people with that look very dated now though it's i i watched it like 
four or five years ago as a rewatch, and it is very dated, that first one. The early 2000s were maybe the ugliest period in American style. <laughs> like, like no joke. Like, the early 2000s, like, 90s stuff, like, yeah, we can go back to that. We can kind of, like, giggle at it. Some of it was ridiculous. Everybody has pointy shoulders. What about it? But uh, early 2000s where everybody's wearing pants made of garbage bag material. <laughs> like, and there's lots of gaudy chains and nobody has sleeves for some reason. Mm-hmm. Lots of belly shirts on everybody. Like, it was just an aesthetically hideous time period it's gross it's gross and all of that was on full display in in the fast and the furious but the timing was perfect for that film um but yeah like you said going back to it's not so great but yeah like five like four was actually like the the proper turning point in the franchise where they tried to reboot it um but five when they introduced the rock was when i actually started caring or was like oh i can get in on this and yeah the action design, like the storyboarding and the choreography of some of the action scenes in uh, five through seven is fantastic. Like really, really good stuff. Um, but yeah, eight just, I don't know. I, I think, I think part of the problem is maybe, maybe they pulled a Tommy Wiseau or something and they became in on the joke where it's like the reason the room is so funny is because it was, it wasn't meant to be. Um, but as soon as as soon as Tommy Wiseau tried to like rewrite history and say, oh, no, I, I produced the whole film intentionally to be a comedy. And now I'm going to ride that till the end of time. Like that's when it stopped being funny. And I feel like by the time they got to eight, some of the some of the excess, like some of the over the top nature of some of the stunt work. It's like, OK, now now they're aware that people are showing up because they want to lull at the screen while they watch the movie. And now they've pushed it too far. They, they jumped the shark. Yeah, with I a think, car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you're on something. It, it's a it's a fine line to walk where be, being over the top these action sequences, but not going too far, and uh, you know doing it just to like ha- have a goof, I guess. And I can think of some things in eight, like with the rock picking up the missile, and just I don't know that some some of that stuff. It's like. I mean, when they were, you know, when Vin Diesel had to jump a car from one building to another, like that's right on, that's right on the borderline. You're right there, but that is still like, okay, we can make, I can have fun with that, but I don't know. Also, you need to remember that nobody in that cast is young anymore. Yeah. (laughs) Like like everybody's getting older and it's harder and harder to make them seem cool in the way, in the way that they're all trying to be cool. Like Keanu Reeves running around doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu and shooting people in the head Yes, he's in his 50s, but he can do that very convincingly, and he's doing it in a very serious manner, whereas having these over-the-top comic book moments with people who are all in their 40s and probably in their like approaching their 50s just doesn't quite have the same—it just doesn't jive as well as it should. Um, but yeah, I, I'm still going to watch it. I'm still going to watch Fast 9, especially oh, yeah. because I, like John Cena, I spent so much of my life hating that man as a wrestler, but then, I, then something clicked where I was like, you know what? He's a hard worker. I appreciate that. I appreciate you, John Cena. So I've 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 turned I've turned the corner on John Cena. <laughs> I'm not there so quite yet. I'm curious yet, to see what they do. You're not there yet. Well, not quite. You'll, hopefully, you can get there someday. Bro. Yeah. Um, but uh, beside the Fast and the Furious on 4K, we have a disc that I already have. I already own and have watched. Uh, this would be the only MVD visual disc I own. Uh, this would be Drive from 1997 uh this movie is very special to me um i i think i showed you last time we talked brad i i I own this on bootleg dvd 
Uh, so this was my first opportunity to own a proper retail copy of this film. Uh, and the transfer is fantastic. And it's, it is a fun, fun-ass movie that very few people saw at the time of its release. It kind of got buried. Uh, and it didn't help, too, that it came out the same year as Rush Hour, uh, which is also kind of a, a buddy martial arts film. Um, but yeah, highly recommended if you're if you're interested in seeing the kind of shit that Mark Dacascos is capable of, and some just just a fun road martial arts movie. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to check it out. I I do have a question uh, specifically for the Blu-ray since it is from like the uh, MVD Rewind Collection. What what's the packaging like on this thing? Is it one of these like VHS things or? No, uh, it's a standard clamshell. Uh, it has a slipcase. Okay. Uh, I th- I know there are like special editions of it that come with like uh, coasters from the it's like a the equivalent of like a hard rock cafe that serves as the finale uh, for the film. Uh, I just got the one with the slipcase, but no, it doesn't have any of that VHS bullshit on it. More likely to buy it now and more likely to buy it since it doesn't have that. So that's good. That's good. It is a pricey disc being as it's from a smaller publisher. But um, for me, this was one of those things that I was like, I never expected this to come to HD in any form. So I gobbled it up right away. But moving right along, uh, we have They Won't Believe Me from 1947. And hey, speak of speak of the devil. Uh, so we were mentioning Liam Neeson beating people's asses in various locales. Um, we have The Marksman from 2021, which features Liam Neeson. Um, Brad, can you tell me, like, does, does he beat any asses in this movie? Are you aware? Uh, I have seen it. Um, I do there's not much ass beating in it. It's not God like, uh, yeah. What am it, I paying for? <laughs> it's not, it's definitely not like a nonstop or anything like that. It's a little more, it feels like a Clint Eastwood movie, like a modern Clint Eastwood movie. It reminded me of Clint Eastwood's The Mule um, because it does deal with the U.S.-Mexico border. And it's kind of like uh, there's a few, um, there's a family escaping a group of cartel members. They cross over into the U.S., and he ends up taking the the young boy under his wing, and they go on a road trip. So he, and he tries to take the boy to his family while they're being chased by the cartel. Um, yeah, it, it was okay, and not not great. Um, but I think there was there was at least a couple shootouts in it. I don't think I don't know if he beats anybody up, but there are some shoot because he is the marksman, I guess. Apparently, even though that doesn't come up much in the movie, but <laughs> he does. There are a few shootouts, yeah. I think it's scientifically proven that if if you put a firearm on the cover of an American film, you'll sell X number extra tickets. I I mean it's science, Brad. It, it got just me to is. see it. I, don't, I mean, there's that that uh the the Born Identity that cover art where it's just like somebody looking into the middle distance, and then if you look down just a little bit, they're holding a handgun at their yeah. side. Like I think there's a Al Pacino movie with that exact same cover. He's like caught in a crosshair, and he's doing the same pose holding mm. a gun it's science brad if there's a gun on the cover more people will watch it but yep. this this movie reeks of red box trash like I'm, I'm being brutally honest i will probably end up renting this from a red box uh, because i have a, i have a weakness for liam neeson especially when he's beating people's asses um my mom always teased me about that she's like why do you like liam neeson so much because like I watched The Haunting in the theater when I was a kid. Mm. Like she took me and my friend to see that, and for some reason I latched onto him and Catherine Zeta-Jones. But like, 
she al- she always thought it had to do with like his bone structure because he has that really pronounced like forehead and nose and nobody in my family has that so it's like, kind of jealous of that <laughs> <laughs> and also you know his his accent's cool but yeah uh, double doubly so when he gets an opportunity to beat some ass but i think he's reached that point where it's like you know his wife passed away he started doing more action movies probably just to pass the time and have have fun and get paid uh but i think his years have caught up with him and he's doing considerably less ass beatings in his films uh, which is causing my interest level to dwindle somewhat um i did watch the honest thief and while there there were very few ass beatings in that film I think only like one or two punches were thrown in anger in that film. I will defend it by saying those punches were thrown at the right person. Okay. Okay. Jai Courtney gets his face busted. Ah, in that movie. yes, yes. <laughs> it's only like one or two blows, but I was like, if you're gonna hit anyone in a movie and get like get me to pop for it, make it Jai Courtney. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's um, one I have to see. Um, Honest Thief. I still want to see that one. I mean, it's just funny that. Uh, you know, movie theaters reopened, and within five months, there's been two Liam Neeson movies that have come out. I mean, this guy's just—he's just pumping them out. He just—he just does not care. <laughs> yeah, no, he keeps busy. Yeah, and, you know, some of some of those early post-taken movies, I think, are pretty fucking good. Oh yeah, like nonstop is nonstop I think rocks. A pretty, yeah, nonstop is a solid thriller. Yeah. Um, um, a walk among the tombstones is kind of iffy. Like it's. I didn't it's, see that one. It has some good ideas. The execution is not the best. You get to see creepy David Harbour in it, which is kind of fun. Uh, that's not something I think many people have seen from him. Um, although he was really creepy in a, what was it, uh, Quantum of Solace. Like, he's he's weirdly creepy in that. Where I'm trying he plays to remember a, who he was in that. He plays Felix's handler in it. Like, he's just a CIA guy, but he's, like, really slimy and weird. Yeah, you're right. Yep, I remember him now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it... I mean, he's a very talented actor. He can do a lot of things. It's just he's not asked to be creepy all the time. But, I mean, The Grey was great, obviously. Love The Grey. Uh, and one that I think a lot of people sleep on, and it's probably divisive. Like, I'm, it may only appeal to me, but I, I actually really like Run All Night. Like, I, that's I another one I didn't that. see. It's it's solid. Like, it has quite a bit of ass beating. <laughs> it always makes me happy. And uh, it has it has a lot of really cool familiar faces in there, like a uh, Holt uh, McCallany um, Holt, uh, the guy that's in a uh, Manhunter or Mindhunter, Mindhunter. Thank yep. you. Um, he's in there. He gets his ass beat. It's great. <laughs> Watch it, Brad. <laughs> but uh, let's move on. Uh, so we have James Garner in something called Tank from 1984. Uh, we also have another Criterion release of Merrily We Go to Hell from 1932. Ooh. Hell in 1932? Ooh, scandalous. Yeah, they were pushing some <laughs> boundaries there, yeah. <laughs> we have a Warner Archive, or, yeah, Warner Archive collection release of The Yearling from 1946. Uh, we have the Smokey and the Bandit collection. Uh, we have a Shout Select release of All About the Benjamins. I remember some of my friends being really up on this movie, but I haven't seen it personally. Have you? Uh, no, I've never watched it. Okay. Um, we have another MVD Rewind Collection release, uh, this time of Action USA from 1989, which I only know because it was reviewed on Red Letter Media mm. on YouTube. Um, and it looked it looked like a fun stunt showcase movie, where it's like we have the most paper-thin of plots, 
but we have a collection of all all of America's best stunt talent on on hand. So we're just gonna throw them through windows and blow up cars and just go nuts for a weekend or whatever. It looks fun. Uh, not enough for me to pay thirty plus bucks for it, um, but it did look pretty fun. Uh, we also have an Arrow release of Giants and Toys from 1958. Uh, this is a Japanese film, uh, not one that is known to me, uh, but could be interesting. That's unfortunately all I have to say about that one. Um, Brad, do you know this one? It's a contemporary release, so 2021, uh, The Mauritanian. Uh, have you heard of this film? The, the only really bits I've heard about it is because of uh, Jodie Foster, who I believe won the Golden Globe uh, for Best Supporting Actress in this one. Um, but she failed to get the Oscar nomination, unfortunately. But I think she did win the Golden Globe. Um, but other than that, didn't hear much. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know anything about it, so you have me beat. Um, but it stars uh, Jodie Foster, Chody, Foster and uh, Humper Dick Bandersnatch. And, yeah, it's from 2021. So we'll move on from that. Uh, Brad, what jumps out at you next? Uh, there's not a ton left that jumps out at me. I can mention, uh, I have nothing to say about it, but another contemporary release. We've got Land, starring Robin Wright, also directed by Robin Wright. Um, and, uh, gotta mention from Warner Archive, Bachelor in Paradise, uh, which is not the, uh, Bachelor TV spinoff, but, uh, instead is a movie starring Bob Hope. So, if you're a fan of The Bachelor, this is not the Bachelor in Paradise ABC reality show. <laughs> okay, duly noted. Um, let me see. Does anything else jump out at me? Uh, I will point out that uh, I did look up the trailer for Scavenger from 2019 out of curiosity. Uh, I did that like a few weeks back. Um, it looks like a, a fun little ultra-low-budget uh, post-apocalyptic movie kind of inspired by like Mad Max or Turbo Kid or one of those um, not good enough for me to like pick it up blindly um, but that is a genre that I always I always have some interest for um, so not going to be picking this one up but if it becomes available for free or something I, I ain't got shit to do some weekend maybe I'll watch it um, but yeah the rest of it appears to be re-releases and anime uh, but nothing that I'm in the know about and uh, folks at home if you're not aware uh anime releases drop pretty much every week uh oftentimes by the dozen and uh, if we don't talk about your favorite anime it's because both uh brad and i aren't exactly especially in the know when it comes to that particular subgenre. i'll highlight any releases of things that i'm aware of and that i have appreciation for um, but i don't really know the good from the bad so if we gloss over your favorite fucking thing out there Relax. <laughs> People appreciate different things. But um, moving right along, we'll bounce on down to the next week. Uh, that would be May 18th. And right out the gate, we have a doozy of a release. Uh, that would be Last Action Hero on 4K uh, from 1993, starring one Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, I believe this is a steelbook release with a standard case uh, to follow next month. Am I correct on that, Brad? That sounds right. I think you're right on that. Um have you picked this up yet, or are you waiting for the standard? Uh, it's checks in the mail, man. It's it's on its way. Yeah, it hasn't arrived yet, but I I was so hyped for this that you know steel steel book or not, it's, it got to pull the trigger on that man. It's got to happen. 
Yeah, I can't blame you. I can't blame you. I mean, it's not a bad looking steel book. It's definitely better looking than Speed. Um, but <laughs> I'll probably wait for the standard release. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. I always, I always thought the standard cover art uh, for the film was terrible. It's a, mm-hmm. uh, it's just Schwarzenegger's head holding like a a really long barrel like nickel plated Colt forty five, and even like the VHS box art, that's what it was. It's just head gun, <laughs> but. This one has the theatrical poster as the cover art. And I always thought this was a fantastic poster. Um, even the font is like exactly what I would imagine uh, for Last Action Hero. But um, this this movie came up in conversation so many times uh, over the past few months. that I was like, you know, the movie gods must have been listening to Kyle and I rant about action movies all of April because lo and behold, here it is. And uh, Brad's making some cringy faces at me. Is are there are there bad details about this disc? No, no, no. I just I looked up. I I was just assuming that the uh, standard release would have the same artwork, and I, I might actually be getting the steelbook because you're right. That other artwork is just the, the lame, the most lame thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, it's not. It's nondescript. It's awful. Like yeah. actually. When when I was getting to that age where I had free reign to rent whatever R-rated movies I wanted, I remember glossing over Last Action Hero quite a bit because it just looks so shit from the cover. Like, I mean, I was I was a kid. I was born in the late '80s, so obviously Arnold is going to be a selling point. But I need more than just the man's face. <laughs> like, 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 let me know what I'm getting. But it's like, no face, gun. It's like. Yeah, I, I remember that VHS cover art and just like glossing over it, and just being like, "There's so many other better covers out here." But yeah, I mean, you'll be paying a premium for the steelbook, but I think it might it be looks worth a it. Lot <laughs> it looks yeah. a lot better. Looks a lot better. And I'm 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 out on steelbooks. I've been out on steelbooks. That's how bad that cover art looks. Like the fact that I'm about to break my vows and go back to a steelbook, it's got to be pretty horrendous. Like it would have to be. If it's if the speed regular edition had the steelbook artwork, I would get the speed. You know, if they were switched, I would do the same thing. So, okay. Well, I mean, both Brad and I are pretty much we pretty much see eye to eye about steelbooks. Not not the biggest fan, but in this case, I will gladly make an exception. Uh, this this one worked out for me, where it's like I was I was too excited not to pick it up now, and sure enough, turned out to be the right choice for me anyway. But um, yeah, really looking forward to rewatching this one. Same with Speed, uh, whenever I can find a copy of that. But uh, beside that, we have a 4K release of uh, National Lampoon's Animal House from 1978. Uh, this is a this is most certainly a dad movie, uh, at least in my household. Uh, my my dad was a big fan of this and uh, Caddyshack, uh, so I'm I more. I think I got to see this one a little earlier than I should have, much like was the case with Fast Times at Richmond High. Um, Brad, uh, does Animal House mean anything to you? Uh, you know, I've never been the biggest fan of Animal House. I don't know why. I think I, when I watched it when I was younger, I feel like, because it's like, oh, Animal House, it's classic. I feel like I tried to force feed it a little bit. I really was like forcing it to be a classic comedy for me and i don't know i just never got there uh i i wouldn't be opposed to revisiting it and i do think i mean it's a good movie i don't dislike it um but yeah it was never one of my like favorite comedies from that era yeah uh, unfortunately I, i mostly agree with you i think a lot of it has to do with just the 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 grit of it like it came out in the late 70s and it has it has that 70s like 
ass filter on it <laughs> where it's like maybe the 4k corrects that a little bit but it, it has kind of a grimy look and feel to it and on top of that the way the narrative is stitched together it's kind of just a series of really breezy vignettes where there's really not a whole lot of story to latch on to it's just a bunch of skits with characters played by you know really noteworthy actors and comedians and it either works for you or it doesn't um there's a lot of really iconic beats in this movie um but that's how it exists in my head. It's not a cohesive memory. It's just kind of like, oh, that part was funny when he punched his cheeks and spit in that guy's face. And it's like, it's like there's there's a lot of that where it's just it's a collection of cool skits, cool moments. But I can't really remember the movie all that well. But, yeah. Um, there are other National Lampoon movies out there that mean more to me. I'll just say that much. One hundred percent. Yeah. Vacation. Yeah. I don't know how many years later it was, but Vacation is way better. Yeah, Vacation and Caddyshack rank much higher for me yeah, personally. Yeah, absolutely. But, but at the same time, like, like like I said, this movie was presented to me by my dad, uh, who was born in the f- late 40s. So like, by the time he got to this movie, it probably was like revolutionary. It probably, probably blew his fucking mind. So <laughs> I, could, I could totally see this meaning a lot uh, to somebody who actually lived through it. Mm-hmm. But for me, coming to it like in the 90s or something, not especially my favorite but, yeah um beside that we have a 4k disc uh, a severin films disc of uh, santa sangre uh which is a hodorowsky film um i don't know this movie other than the title and the i mean kind of cool cover art but uh severin seems to be kind of on a roll uh with their their disc output as of late yeah, they've been uh, doing a good job, and I'm ashamed to say that I have not been uh, dipping my toes in their waters too much. So they're pr- they might be my next like, because I feel like more than just even like buying movies that I want to watch, I like get attracted to certain distributors and kind of like you know I go I get into like a long term relationship with these distributors, and I never totally leave them behind. But like right now, me and Vinegar Syndrome. Ooh, we're tight right now. Whereas, you know, two years ago this time, Arrow, me and Arrow, tight. Like, we were together all the time. So maybe give me a year, me and Severin, we're going to be, you know, you know, you know, you know. <laughs> Brad is in an open relationship with all of his favorite distributors. Yes, yes. <laughs> Criterion was my first. Criterion was my first. Yeah. Uh, but... Um, yeah, I don't own any Severin films, um, but I, I don't want to completely get us off track here. But speaking of distributors, Brad, uh, it is May, which means we are halfway to Halloween, correct? Uh, half, well, is it halfway to Halloween or halfway to Black Friday? I don't know. There's a lot, there's a lot of, uh, distributors out there that seem to be doing like both of those things. Well, I know. Uh, sales, that is. Yeah, I know Vinegar Syndrome, their halfway to Black Friday sale is um, this Friday. It's in like a day or two. Uh, so that is uh, going to be taking place, and that's I'm going to be dropping a lot of coin on that. Um, and uh, yeah, I know Kino's got a sale going on. I don't think it's a halfway to anything. It's just a, a Kino sale, actually. You might want to check it out. It's a while supplies last sale. So when these uh, Kino titles get sold, they're gone forever. So I kind of looked, and there was nothing that tickled my fancy, thankfully. So I didn't buy anything. But all right, well, I, uh, I look forward to hearing how the uh, the Vinegar Syndrome sale works out for you. Uh, come the next episode of Cinema Speak, it's gonna be messy. It's gonna be real messy. 
All right. Well, you heard it here, folks. So look forward <laughs> to Brad's field report of how the Vinegar Syndrome sale went. Yeah. But, um, moving right along, we have another dad film, uh, The Sting from 1973 uh this of course stars paul newman and robert redford this is a universal disc um i actually haven't seen this one have you i've never seen it either but i definitely now that it's on 4k gives me an excuse to buy it and check it out for the first time i mean i like all the components of it i know it means a lot to my dad maybe maybe a father's day thing or something be like hey dad you want to watch this thing it's like fuck yes (laughs) come on down Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but beside that, we also have a 4K release of Raya and the Last Dragon uh, from 2021. Uh, this was the Disney CGI animated film. Uh, did you see this one, Brad? Uh, have not checked it out yet, no. Um, you know, it was one of those weird ones where it was in theaters, but also uh, like a premium rental on Disney+. Plus. And I tell you what, those premium rentals on Disney+, Plus are a bit of a ripoff, if you ask me. So I never, uh, I actually, I think it is still playing in theaters near me, but still haven't gotten around to it. I would like to see it, though. I, I'm sure I will see it eventually. Um, and I haven't heard too much about it either, to be honest, because it had that weird kind of release, I feel like. Yeah, I, I think it's actually still in the top five of a box office take. Um, this week so it is screening in theaters but yeah i actually haven't heard a whole lot about this what i did here was mostly positive though mm-hmm. um but a lot of that could just come from like you said the funky release where it's like you know a lot of people just straight up haven't seen it yeah but, um yeah though what i have heard though is mostly positive um we have a certified fresh uh, release of minari uh from 2020 this was an oscar darling um Brad, I, I mean, you. last time we spoke, we, we talked a little bit about the Oscars. Uh, did this walk away with any awards? It won Best Supporting Actress, I believe. Um, can't remember her name because she's, you know, a very unknown, o- older actress uh, that is unknown here in the States for the most part, I believe. But she won for playing the grandmother of the family. And uh, I heard she's very good in it. And, uh, yeah, I want to see this film. Haven't gotten around to it. Um and it was one of those ones where, yeah, it was a 1999 rental when the Oscars were going on. And it was just like, man, I really want to watch these movies before the Oscars. And if it was like, you know, a 599 rental, I would have watched it before the Oscars, no question. But I was like, I'm going to wait. And now that it's down to a reasonable price and it's on Blu-ray, uh, but the Oscars are over. So there's no like, you know, rush for me to go watch it. So who knows when I'll finally get around to it. Yeah, uh, this one is pretty high on my to-do list uh, i've heard it's excellent i like the subject matter um it's fairly relatable to some people i i know in my life um yeah i, I very much want to check this one out um not going to be buying it but i do think it's curious that it's a lion's gate uh, i don't see ah. any firearms on the cover though <laughs> so they fooled me yeah um, yeah but bopping on along, uh, we have a release that I have yet to pick up, but I very likely will. Uh, Drunken Master 2 from 1994. So this would be the uh, original Chinese cut of uh, Legend of the Drunken Master, which I, I think was one of our earliest collaborations, Brad. Yeah, yeah. We reviewed this together, and that was a lot of fun. Um, I will say I don't remember what cut of the – like, has this cut – I mean, it's got to be – this cut has to have been available online through certain means, right? Because I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to say where I got the version that I watched when we reviewed it, but I don't know what I watched. Um, the Dimensions film, I think it was Dimension Films, either that or New Line, uh, who put out the American version 
of of this film uh the major difference i think it doesn't really have to do with any material other than like a last shot of the film where we get to see jackie chan uh covered in bandages and kind of like brain dead I as think a I result of the final that. battle of the yeah, movie yeah um but the major difference is the audio track where uh obviously it's english dub uh for the international release and uh the music the score for the film was entirely redone uh, for okay. the american version uh, so I've never actually seen uh, the original Chinese cut. I don't expect it would be that much better. Um, but the major difference is HD. Like, I've mm-hmm. never seen this film in HD. So that that right there is kind of a treat. And I really like this movie. I think it's one of Jackie Chan's better movies, especially from the 90s. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely will be a million times better than whatever the hell I watched it with. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. it it I own it on DVD, but it's... You know, it it's certainly single. It's standard definition for sure. But I I know when I asked you to review it on my show, and I was like, oh, you know, that'll be a great one. I've I've heard of great things about that movie. Let's review it. And I pitched it to you, and it was like the day before we were to review it. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna sit down and watch it. I'll rent it. And I'm like, oh, can't rent it on iTunes. Can't rent it on Amazon. It's nowhere to be found. And I had a, a panic attack. <laughs> <laughs> but I found it. I found it legally. No, I, I, I found I, I, it. I, I did find it. Yeah, it's totally. Le- yeah, totally legal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, as a as two podcasters with movie review shows, this this shit happens, folks. Just 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 know that that you know, if you want to know how the sausage is made, how the podcast gets to your ear, sometimes sometimes your hosts have to jump through some serious fucking hoops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you you will never know some what some of those hoops entail, but. Yeah, I'm not surprised that you had to do that. Um, moving on, though, we have a pair of Shout Factory releases of uh, Eyes of a Stranger from 1981 and He Knows You're Alone from 1980. Uh, I presume these are both horror films, Brad. Uh, are these ones known to you? I w- Not really. I could be wrong, but for some reason, the uh, like made-for-TV horror is jumping into my brain. That could be totally wrong, but for some reason, I feel like these are both made-for-TV. I would not be surprised. Um, cover arts are not exactly the best, although the Eyes of the Stranger one is strangely provocative. I don't like that font, uh, but the the image of the woman in the telephone booth is kind of cool looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the other one, I don't even know what I'm looking at. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, beside that, we have uh, The Father from 2020, also certified fresh, not a Lionsgate. This is a Sony Pictures release. And uh, this was the film that netted Anthony Hopkins. How many Oscars does he have? I think it was only his second Oscar, I want to say. Um, that sounds right, to be honest. Yeah. Like, he's put in good performances over the years, but not too many that would warrant a statue. Yeah, he, he's not quite at the three-timers club, but a two-timer club, that's that's about right for him. Um, yeah, really wanna, I really want to watch this one for sure, because uh, it also won Best Adapted Screenplay, I want to say. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've heard really good things about this one, and uh, yeah, definitely want to check it out. Yeah, I do too. The subject matter is a little touchy. I know, like Alzheimer's dementia is kind of a tricky subject for a lot of people. Um, not not especially like like triggering for me personally, but it is something that I could totally see getting under my skin and keeping me up at night a little bit. I'm, it's not a horror film, folks, but there are some horrific things that come about when you're dealing with that subject matter. Yeah. So. 
part of me is like, you know, like, eh, let's check out Minari. <laughs> so I'll check it out, but I'm not especially in a hurry for it. Um, but moving on, we have a Shout Select release of Wildcats. Uh, we have Mr. Blandings builds his... I'm not even going to bother finishing the title of that. <laughs> um, and then we have a release that I think you mentioned as one that you wanted to pick up, Brad. Uh, this would be Snake Eyes. Brian De Palma's Snake Eyes from 1998. Um, was I correct in s- stating that you th- you might want to add this to your collection? Yeah, I uh, really like Snake Eyes. Um, I've only seen it the one time. I went through kind of a Brian De Palma phase a year or two ago. And this, you know, later in his career, so it's, like, on the verge of, like, is this when he started to lose it? But I thought Snake Eyes was a blast. Uh, I, I loved the the mystery of it, this uh, Las Vegas, or was it? Uh, it might have been Atlantic City. It was in a casino, and there's a, a an assassination attempt and Nicolas Cage trying to piece things together and figure it out. Uh, a lot of fun. The ending is really is the bad part of the movie. Like, you're watching this, and you're like, this is, like awesome this this is like classic De Palma this is the prime De Palma and then the end hits and the end is quite bad it's like the last 15 minutes really sour the rest of the movie but leading up to it it is an, a really fun film um so I'm very happy to watch this and the version when I watched it I uh, watched it on a DVD that was really poor quality like the aspect ratio was wrong it was not good um so I am happy that this is finally on blu-ray yeah, I I I think I agree with you again wholeheartedly. Like it's a fun ride, but that last 10 15 minutes is kind of rough. Yeah. Um, it it almost has like a, it almost feels like the movie's winking at you a bit where it's almost a play on the the old Deus Ex Machina concept where it's like the the plot has become such a shitstorm that God literally has to descend from the heavens and sort things out yeah. for us. <laughs> um, uh, I think there's an alternate ending for this film though. Um, oh, okay. I could be wrong on that. And I think it's a little bit more straightforward. But um, on the whole, though, I think it is an enjoyable ride. And much like you, uh, I do have a soft spot for De Palma. Um, his style works for me. And it is it is very stylish. Um, he did kind of fall off pretty fucking hard at one point. Um, I can't remember the name of the movie, but I remember he made one in the early 2000s that upset some of like his handlers, like the studio or something. And it seemed like he got blacklisted or something. Because, I mean, the guy's still kicking as far as I know, but he ain't getting work. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, but he he definitely has some really, really solid work in his filmography. Um, he's one of those guys that I would I would happily just do a deep dive on him, just, like, devote, like, a few months just to cleaning up all those those holes in, in his filmography that yeah. I haven't seen. There's a lot there. I mean, even his kind of smaller and a little bit forgotten films like Snake Eyes, there's a lot to discuss there. Yeah, I'm I'm adding it to my cart right now. This is going in my Best Buy cart right now on the app. It's we we've got a live ad. I don't know if that's ever happened in this <laughs> uh in this uh show, but it's it's I in the cart now. Has. Yeah. Well, you see, that's part of why we do this show is to remind ourselves of all the cool ways we can waste our money. <laughs> um, beside that, though, we have a, uh, a pair of uh, Severin Films discs uh, in the form of Grizzly and Day of the Animals. We talked about these previously. Both Brad and I are kind of big fans of eat em up films, as he calls them. Those would be like animal attack films. Um, I might pick up Grizzly if I can find it for the right price, which may mean like getting it secondhand or something because Severin is a small distributor. But Day of the Animals, 
uh, might watch like a Mystery Science Theater 3000 take on it, but I'm not in a hurry to revisit that one. Um, beside that, though, we have a Criterion release of Flowers of Shanghai uh, from 1998. I, I unfortunately don't recognize this director, uh, but it does have Tony Leung in it, uh, which means it's probably excellent because uh, Tony Leung is is excellent. Um, <laughs> if he's in your movie, generally that's a good sign, which uh, bodes well for that Shang-Chi movie, which is on its way. Um they knew what they were doing casting him. <laughs> like oh, everybody, yeah. everybody's like, this trailer's boring. And then Tony Long shows up. It's like, oh, <laughs> it's like things have changed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we also have a release of the instant classic, Tom and Jerry, the movie from 2021. Brad, yes. you reviewed this for the Cinema Speak podcast. Would you care to share your thoughts on it? You know, it's not good. Uh, I wasn't quite as harsh on it as a lot of people were. Um, yeah, but it's, I don't know, it's just kind of, uh, exa- it's exactly what I expected, so I wasn't too harsh on it, um, but it's not not great. Fair enough. N- enough said. Um, we also have Star Trek The Lower Decks. I-, I know Rick and Morty is popular, folks, but does every... Does every animated show have to have character designs that look like that now? Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm getting I'm getting really tired of this this look. It's so it's so ubiquitous at this point. But uh, I could not care less. I I do like Star Trek: Next Generation, but I I don't need an animated series, a comedic animated series about Star Trek. We yeah. have the Dragonheart Five movie collection. Jesus fuck, five <laughs> Dragonhearts. First one was fine. It wasn't even amazing. It was fine. I, I guess they just kept on making them. I mean, I'm making a gag about this, but I mean, I'm the guy who owns Bloodsport one through four and, <laughs> and Undisputed one through four. <laughs> like, like direct-to-video movies are not something I'm above watching. I just think it's funny that we got up to five, seeming like covertly. Um, we also have Mission Impossible remastered 25th edition. At 25th anniversary edition, Brad, is there anything significant about this release other than the anniversary? Um, I do believe there are at least a few new bonus features because I saw um, a few like a little uh, little articles from some sites talking about Tom Cruise uh, where he's discussing the the you know the dropping stunt and going over the stuff where he puts quarters in a shoe or whatever which i thought was already known but i'm i guess there must be some new interviews with him for this i don't know but yeah it's you know it's mission impossible nothing too overly exciting new here well speaking of De palma but it, it comes with a, a brand new car decal though brad oh <laughs> actually i would I, I would maybe put that on my car that's not bad uh, reminds me of that simpsons gag malibu stacy but she has a new hat <laughs> it's, like, it's the same shit as last time but but, but it has a new car decal <laughs> um now it's my turn though brad above suspicion from 2019 is it a gate it is a gate how yeah. did i know <laughs> like very that one, obvious see yeah i mean your yours was a little bit more difficult this one's like screaming it it's just like it's just screaming i'm a lion's gate mm-hmm. um we have something called baxter from 1989 uh, beware of the dog that thinks interesting uh, it's kind of a interesting cover art um we have a hunted from uh shut it's a shutter original brad and uh 
I I presume you still have your Shutter subscription. It, uh, is this one known to you? Uh, I think uh, it's like a female revenge film. Um, I have seen it pop up in that subgenre on Shutter, um, but other than that, not too known to me. Okay. Um, the Nest from 2020. I can't remember. Did you review this for Cinema Speak? Uh, we didn't review it, but I did watch it, and I actually I put it in my top ten of 2020. Um, I I really liked the Nest. Uh, basically, Jude Law and Carrie Coon are a married couple, and he's British, she's American. He ends up moving. They're living in the states, but he moves his family across the across the pond back to England. Um, and basically they buy this giant mansion and he gets this new job and he basically starts trying to make them seem like they're wealthier than they are. And he keeps putting this air on that they're, you know, these extremely wealthy people, even though he's like in debt and they're losing money and it's just kind of, uh, it goes from there and it's a bit of just like a family drama. Um, you know, it's a drama with a capital D, but it's a great D. It's a really great D here. Um, I, I thought the performances were great and there was, uh, there's some interesting direction too, where, um, there's some sequences that kind of like make it seem like the movie's about to like go off into like a horror movie. Um, it never does, but just some of the framing is interesting and how it shoots some of the scenes um so i i really liked it uh i i would like to watch it again actually well i'm sold uh, yeah if it pops up on a streaming service i have uh, i might have to put this one on asap because mm-hmm. that sounds great to me um beside that we have some shit uh cosmic <laughs> sin starring bruce willis and frank grillo uh uh yeah uh, this this movie proves that all you need are firearms and power armor and somebody will be interested um i suspect this is not very good although frank grillo generally shows up for anything you put him in so maybe it'll be good who knows um shithouse from 2020 brad i think you mentioned on the cinema speak you watched this pretty recently correct uh no but um another podcast that i listen to suds and cinema they uh, briefly talked about this and said it was actually not, not bad. It was, you know, very small, just kind of like indie dramedy. But they, uh, I remember them getting something out of it. So kind of put it on my radar because of that. Yeah, I mean, those word-of-mouth recommendations, they always count for something. Yeah. Um, beside that, we have a certified fresh release of Supernova from 2020 starring Colin Firth and the Tooch, Stanley Tucci. Big fan. Uh, probably not going to be checking it out, but I do like both of those fellas. Uh, I think that's about it for that week, Brad, unless you had something else you wanted to point out. Nope, I think that about covers it for that one. Okay, well, let's uh, power on down to the final week of May. Uh, That would be May 25th. Uh, We have an Arrow release of a Django film. I'm going to gloss over that because it seems like Arrow puts out tons of these Django films seemingly every other month. Um, I suspect that this, this one has been out before. Uh, maybe not on 4K, though. Um, and then we have our customary uh, Audrey Hepburn release. Uh, th- we've been getting a lot of those over the past couple of years here. Uh, this is this one's on 4K, though, and it's a Paramount Pictures release of My Fair Lady from 1964. Uh, this would be a classic film that I personally have not seen. However, I do know it by reputation. Uh, have you seen this one, Brad? No, I never checked this one out, actually. Yeah, it uh, might be worth checking out. Uh, I mean... I haven't checked the specs on the disc, but I would imagine being 
being as it's a prestigious release, they'd probably treat it well. Yeah. Um, but we also have a shout re- select release of Explorers, which uh, actually has kind of been on my watch list for a long time because I've heard it's underappreciated. Um, this is an 80s, like, 80s sci-fi film in, in the vein of, like, an E.T. kind of. Um, and the cast is really fascinating. So you have Ethan Hawke and River Phoenix, um, both, you know, very, very young uh, before they, you know, would go on to bigger and better things. Um, I've I've always heard this was one of those slipped in under the radar kind of like children's 80s classics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and directed by Joe Dante as well. Um, so damn, I've never seen it either, but definitely on my radar. Yeah, I'm always I always show up for Joe Dante. Oh yeah, I mean, he he puts in good work, and he's an affable motherfucker. Like I I listen to his podcast every now and again, and he he is a wonderful interview. <laughs> Um, but beside that, we have a. <laughs> I already shat on this movie before, but this <laughs> this is a Blue Underground uh, 4K disc of the Final Countdown, which is a really interesting premise. It's about an aircraft carrier that gets caught in a time warp uh, to the day of the Pearl Harbor attack. Uh, to, you know, the beginning of America's engagement in World War II. Um, but it's about a modern aircraft carrier being sent into a time warp and kind of trying to f- negotiate the circumstances. This movie is essentially just a procedural showing the inner workings of a modern aircraft carrier. It's sh- it's shot like an industrial film and it has almost no pace. It's very boring at times. But some of the people involved, like you'll understand when I rattle these names off to you why I put it on. It's Kirk Douglas, Martin Sheen, like we have people in this and when I started watching it I was like, "Oh my god." Like th- this is like baby's first aircraft carrier. It's like <laughs> we're not even really bothering to tell much of a story. We're just kind of like doing lots of glamour shots of people, people doing their job on an aircraft carrier. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is kind of a surprising release to 4K. But hey, maybe it means something to somebody. Um, and speaking of meaning something to somebody, uh, beside that we have Super 8 on 4K. Uh, this movie. I want to say is good, but I I can't be certain because it's a J.J. Abrams film, and and I want to say that his strong his strength as a filmmaker is that he's competent mm-hmm. and he's very good at playing with other people's toys. Um, but this film being a standalone property that's kind of just like winking and nudging at other other films, much like E.T. Like I'd mentioned before, I, I I remember I saw it. I remember I thought it was okay, but for the life of me. That's that's all I got, Brad. How about you? Yeah, I liked it at the time. Uh, I'm kind of scared to go back and watch it because I feel like I'm not going to like it very much on a, on a revisit. I mean, when it came out, I was still a little bit on the J.J. Abrams train. Like, he was still riding high. I mean, we he created Lost, which I loved, Mission Impossible 3, underrated Mission Impossible movie. I liked the first Star Trek a lot, the reboot. So, I mean, he he was riding high. I was giving him every benefit of the doubt when this came out, and uh, now he's lost a lot of that goodwill. Yeah, for sure. I don't think he's, like, grossly untalented or anything. It's just, like, I, I never really walk away from his movies thinking that was amazing or anything. It's just, like, that was good. Like, that was fine. Like, the Star Trek remake has a really fun... It has an absurd energy to it, where it's, like, everything's heightened in a way mm-hmm. that's almost, like, goofy. Um, Mission Impossible 3 is quite solid like that also has a good energy to it his movies tend to flip out a lot 
Yeah. Like when a- when action things happen, it just like flips the fuck out and then mm-hmm. it goes back to like everybody being chill and making lots of stupid quips. <laughs> it- and then like when action happens, it's like, oh my god, everything needs to explode and we need to run. There needs to be lens flares. For fuck's sake, all the lens flares. But this one had, you know, his mystery box marketing campaign. That's always a little bit obnoxious if you ask me. But I just remember the ending where it's like, so you mean all all they had to do is tell the alien to chill out? <laughs> like, it's cool, bro. And he's like, oh, it is cool, bro. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye, the movie. <laughs> if only everything could be solved that easily. Yeah, you just need to get some kid with floppy brown hair to tell the alien, chill out, bro. It's all cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, moving on, though, we have A Night at the Roxbury from 1998. Uh, this is, of course, a Saturday Night Live skit adapted to feature length. Uh, I know I saw this, but I actually can't remember this one. Um, speaking of Wayne's World, that that would I, I would probably put at the top of my Saturday Night Live movie list, but... Um, do you do you remember this one as being good or bad? Uh, I don't think I've ever seen this whole movie. I feel like I saw five minutes of it here and there on TBS in the middle of the a weekday afternoon. Um, but uh, no, I've never actually watched this whole movie. Um, you know, the, the sketch is good. I do like the sketch, but <laughs> the movie I've heard is not great. Yeah, uh, I'm not in a hurry to check it out, but you know, Will Ferrell in the late '90s, early 2000s was kind of special. So maybe it's maybe it's good. Hey, Chris Kattan wasn't exactly a slouch in that era either. Yeah, so, you yeah, know, could be good. Could be could could be quietly good. But um, we have Nightmare Alley from 1947. Beside that, um, and then we have uh, Val Kilmer in The Saint from 1997, which is one of those one of those quiet action movies that would totally a fart in the wind. But I have one friend, exactly one friend, who really likes this movie, and for the life of me, I can't, I can't tell you why. Like he's never been able to articulate what's actually good about this movie. But he's that one guy that every time '90s action movies comes up, he's like, "Yeah, what about the Saint, man?" And everybody's like, "The fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> it's like you mean the Shadow? It's like, no, the Saint. It's like you mean the Phantom? It's like, no, the Saint. <laughs> he's pushing that narrative hard. Uh, he's 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 all about the saint. I'll actually have to send him a reminder that the saint is on Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, he probably already has it. Yeah, now, I was gonna but... say he should be part of the fan club. They should all be knowing about that right now. Yeah. Yeah, he fin- He actually bought the <laughs> the rights to the yeah. film. <laughs> he financed the project himself. Yeah. Um, we have a shout select release of City Slickers Two: The Legend of Curly's Gold, which, for whatever reason, I saw before I saw the first City Slickers. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I ended up liking both of them just fine. Like I think they're both good. I I mean, I will always bite for this particular era of John Lovitz. I thought he was a solid addition to the cast. I mean, mm-hmm. we lost Bruno Kirby and slotted in John Lovitz worked out just fine if you ask me. Um I could I haven't seen either of these movies in such a long time. I couldn't tell you which one's better. But of course that first one has that classic classroom speech from Billy Crystal that's just like dark comedy gold yeah i i would totally go back and watch these movies but um brad i have a question for you we have a uh, release of smile from 1975 uh fun city editions uh do you know these these folks um they are a partner label of vinegar syndrome and i don't totally understand what their you know their mission statement is i don't really 
totally understand what connects the films. I think they've only had three releases so far. From what I hear, if this is their third release, their other two releases have been excellent. I can't remember what the names of them are off the top of my head, but I watched some reviews of their uh, other releases, and I was actually intrigued by some of them. I don't know much about Smile, um, but it is there's actually a handful of uh, other Vinegar Syndrome partner labels that have releases for this week as well. Okay. Uh, Mystery Solved. Um, there you go. We have the, the Last Castle from 2001, which... Uh, as far as I know, is in an especially noteworthy movie, other than the fact that it has James Gandolfini in it when he was in the midst of the Sopranos business, and uh, we all dearly miss him. Uh, I'm very sad to hear that they're going forward with that Sopranos prequel film. Uh, I do not think that needs to exist. That that doesn't exactly sit well with me personally, but you know, it is what it is. Um, and then we have a pair. Uh, of Hitchcock releases on 4K. Uh, we have The Birds from 1963 as well as Psycho. Uh, both classics in their own right and both Hitchcock films that I've actually seen. Um, I know you've been plowing through his filmography in recent days, Brad. Um, do you think you'll pick these up? Yeah, I probably will eventually. I will say, though, I think these have already been out in the Hitchcock box set, the 4K box set. So I think these are just individual releases of... Uh, those movies that came out in that box set, I would probably just end up picking up the box set. Cause I feel like, I don't know with Hitchcock, it's like just buy the box set. Like, you know, there's no duds in there. So, but uh, yeah, yeah. I'm i I'm a pretty big fan of both of these. I love psycho. I mean, psycho is just one of my favorite movies. So yeah, it, it's fantastic. It, it's, it's really easy to go back to, too. It's very good for repeat viewings. But, yeah, good call on the box set thing, though. It's like that that, that is like the surest bet in movie collecting you could make, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> but um, we also have The Hand uh, from 1981. This is an Oliver Stone film yeah. uh, starring Michael Caine. Uh, this is not one that I've seen, but I've it's it's been on my list for so long. Like I, I never forget about the hand. I have a, th- I have a thing about like demonic body parts. <laughs> like it's a, it's a very, very niche subgenre, but it's one that I find myself drawn to. I would very much like to check this out. Um, yeah. I think it's funny that it's uh, starring Michael Caine, and the cover art that they have here has almost like a, a Nolan esque font on the cover. <laughs> that seems intentional, if you ask me. Yeah, they knew what they were doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, I was just kind of curious what. In Oliver Stone's career, where where did this come out? And, uh, yeah, obviously very early in his career, uh, you know, five years before Platoon. Yeah, very early. Um, but we also have a release of a – we had a really good Jackie Chan movie this month, so we also need a really shitty one to go along with it. Um, that would be The Tuxedo from 2002. Um, this movie's not very good. Um I believe it does have some notable stunt performers in there. I can't actually confirm which ones they are, so I'm not going to go at length about that. But this was kind of like probably probably they wrote a script and they presented it to Jackie Chan, and he was just kind of like, "How much will you pay me? <laughs> like, is it a is is it a lot? Because if it's a lot, maybe. Yeah. But other than that, don't waste my motherfucking time. But yeah, this movie kind of sucks. Um, so we'll skip on down past that. Terror Express from 1980, Dark Force Entertainment. Brad, anything to say about that one? I actually don't really know anything about this one. Do you uh, have anything to say about it? No, but the cover art's a little confusing, but also kind of awesome at the same time. 
Yeah, it apparently also appears to be Italian, which yeah. means it's probably awesome. <laughs> and it doesn't, uh, you know, the title Terror Express. I kind of was expecting a horror movie based on the title, and it's not. It's more of a, you know, seems like a gritty action thriller. Well, putting my uh, graphic design cap on, I want to say all they did was they took the original Italian poster art and then they cropped out the Italian like title for it. Yeah, and just chose a generic font with a red background and like covered it up. Mm-hmm. It's it's not exactly the best cover art edit you'll ever see, but you know it is what it is. Um, we have a Lionsgate release, a 4K what appears to be Steelbook uh, release of Chaos Walking, which. I have heard some shit about. Um, yeah. So apparently this was a movie that was shot in like 2016, 2017 or something. Um, and they just could not find a time to release it. So this features Daisy Ridley and Tom Holland, both of whom had other bigger, more important things going on, uh, which explains why maybe finding a time to release and or finish this film uh, was a bit of a problem. But I seem to remember hearing a lot of really weird shit about the production. Like, like, maybe a director or a writer was kicked like ousted from the project or something. Okay. I might have to look into that. Cause, uh, Doug Lyman is credited as director and I'm a bit of a lie guy. I like Doug Lyman for the most part. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'd be curious to know if like, this is not his, uh, finished product could, cause I think it looks pretty bad. It could give me more, uh, you know, I'm watching. I'm, I see Doug Lyman's name pop up. I'm like, his name's on this garbage. Maybe this is actually good. I find out if there's some behind the scenes drama and it's not actually his. You know, his baby. Then that would make a little more sense. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how much of it has to do with him. I just know there were a lot of shenanigans involved in this production, yeah. and as a result, it it it's not a very good film, uh, which is unfortunate because it has a lot of talent involved in it. Like yeah. you said, Doug Lyman usually shows up. I think Mads Mikkelsen's in here as yeah. well. Um, a lot of talent on the screen, but uh, probably not used all that well, being as I haven't heard a single good thing about it. But uh, <laughs> we have Supernatural, the complete box set. Apparently, this show, this show, I, I only know like for the trivia fact that it's like it's that show that you heard about a really long time ago, like when I was in fucking high school or some shit, and it just never ended. Um, yeah, I guess it finally ended though. So all those, all those people, all those Tumblr fans or whatever, they're probably crying over over the the end of their precious Supernatural. Fifty eight disc set. Fifty eight discs. Fuck. Yeah, that is insane. Weighs as much as my car. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Wow. Uh, I mean, it it's certainly going to mean something to somebody. I never. I've never seen a frame of that show. I just always thought it was funny that I assumed that because it began in the mid 2000s, it probably ended in the mid 2000s. But no, it only just recently wrapped up. Yeah, I actually uh, I watched the first few seasons. It's not bad, you know, especially considering it was like a Warner Brothers, CW, whatever show. Um, yeah, it was not bad. Um, but uh, it uh, I didn't advance through all 15 seasons. <laughs> I mean, there's we only have so much time to devote to to our media diet. Yeah, so, you know, it, you got to make some choices, man. Um, but hey, we have your favorite distributor. Uh, that would be the American Genre Film Archive, uh, putting out a disc of Love After Death from 1968, and there is no synopsis available, so I have no fucking clue what it is. Cover art is decent, um, but 
seems like these people specialize in a particular brand of schlock. So you certainly have to know what you're getting into if you're going to pony up the cash from other discs. Yeah. We can also mention they've got another release further on down uh, this week as well. The Leather Boys, which is weirdly a partnership between Agfa and Shout Factory. Um, oh, wow. Where Shout Factory is credited on the cover. Uh, I've I've seen Shout Factory do zero promotion for this, and I'm sure it was just some deal where they owned the rights to it and said, "All right, we'll let you release it because this does not fit into our brand." Um, but you have to just you know put us on the cover or something. I guess I don't know, but yeah, the the small disc distributor business is a is an interesting one mm-hmm. to say the least. Uh, so I'm, I'd be curious what the nature of that deal is. But yeah, I've never seen that before where they loudly like proclaim that hey this is a a dual distributor uh disc yeah um beside that we have a gary Busey film eye of the tiger uh (laughs) i only know this movie because uh there was a i think it was badmovies.org or one of those websites back in the day that just hosted like a clip of this like a quick time file it's like gary Busey up in the rafters like under a bridge or something and shouting down at a bunch of bad guys with a shotgun in hand (laughs) And I that without context, I thought it was comedy gold. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I I didn't need the movie to be any more than that. But now I have an opportunity to potentially own all ninety two minutes of Eye of the Tiger, starring Gary Busey. Could be worth it. So, could be worth it. Could be worth it. <laughs> um, but moving on, uh, Brad, you pick. What 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 jumps out at you? Uh, well, we got another release from Fun City Editions, actually, uh, Walking the Edge, starring Robert Forster. Um, oh, wow. Don't know too much about it in terms of, like, the plot or whatever, but I think it's just kind of like a, a gritty crime movie, um, which I'm slightly curious about. Um, so, and it'd be good to get an actual film in my collection from Fun City Editions. Yeah, could be interesting. Yeah. Uh, we also we also have The Groove Tube from uh, 1974, but it's put out by Hen's Tooth Video, uh, who also seem to be a schlock distributor. I uh, don't have a lot to say about that. Uh, we have a random release of Rosemary's Baby from 1968. <laughs> uh, never would have expected that. Uh, we have an unimade disc that I might actually pick up now, this would be Arion uh, from 1986. This is a discotheque media uh, release. Uh, they generally do pretty well with their discs. And I don't know a whole lot about this movie, but I've seen a trailer for it a really long time ago. I think it was on a, a different disc of theirs I had. And uh, it looked like looked like kind of my flavor of animation, where it's like it's from the mid-'80s. Everything is hand-drawn. There's no CGI or anything like that. And it has kind of a post-apocalyptic slash fantasy feel to it uh there was a lot of that going on japanese animation in the 80s <laughs> like mad mad max was kind of a big deal uh, in japan <laughs> mad max and blade runner if you smash those two things together uh you get some cool shit um but beside that we have a 4k release of prospect from 2018 and i remember when this movie was like doing film festival circuits and whatnot and because of the space helmet motif, I was getting it confused with High Life. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- I've heard they're both very good. I know Kyle really loves High Life. I don't think he's seen Prospect, but this is a curious release in 2018. I'm not sure why this is coming out right now. Yeah, this is another uh, Gunpowder and Sky. I think it's kind of weird because I think they are like the 
production company of the film, but they're also now apparently, according to Vinegar Syndrome, they are a partner, a, a release partner with uh, Vinegar Syndrome, and uh, you can actually, you know, pre-order this on the uh, Vinegar Syndrome site, and uh, they're a new partner label, I guess. So I guess every Gunpowder and Sky film will be uh, a partner label with Vinegar Syndrome uh, in some way, but I'd never even heard of it until it was announced on 4K, and it sounds quite good i think i think it is actually streaming on netflix um currently i think i i thought when it was first announced i got it confused i thought it was like a netflix original and it's not but um i might check it out it's a pricey 4k so i don't know if i'll buy the 4k but i i do kind of want to check out the movie yeah i i heard mostly good things uh it's just the fact that it came out in 20 2018 uh, yeah i find fascinating it took its sweet time getting to 4k but um I heard mostly good things, though. Um, have a series of classic releases. I'm just going to gloss over those real quick and head on down to uh, Deliver Us from Evil, which is a Korean film from 2020. Um, I'm probably going to pick this up. I'm going to blind buy this one. Um, it has some really talented people in it, like really, really big-name Korean actors in it. Um, Hwang Jung-min is... It, there was almost like a joke at some point where it's like you can't really have a blockbuster Korean film without him in it. Like there was almost like a gag going around where it's like he's he's like he's putting up Liam Neeson numbers in terms of his <laughs> film output. Where it's like he was he did like he had like a there was that stretch of time where Samuel L. Jackson did like five or six movies in like one year or something. It was like in the late nineties, I think. Uh, he do, he's been doing that for years now and he's always very reliable like i have a surprising number of his movies just because he's fucking in everything um, but this this looks like a fun tooth and nail like man versus man type action movie uh, right up my alley uh, in that classic korean movie style where the hits are hits like like, like we we like contact in our choreography uh, <laughs> concussions be damned but uh, i've been i've kind of been eagerly awaiting the release of this one um this is a uh, well go disc and uh, it seems like they have a, a deal with a uh, korean uh, film producers or something because it seems like um well go puts out korean movies on blu-ray before they get korean mm, blu-ray okay. releases so we get them over here before they get them over there um and often for very cheap uh well go seems to be like the the forerunner when it comes to um Asian films, or at mm-hmm. least Asian action films. Anyway, not not like prestige cinema, like the kind of shit I like. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm probably gonna pick this one up right away. Um, what else we got, Brad? Anything else you want to point out? Just a couple other uh, Vinegar Syndrome partner label releases. We've got uh, Heavy Trip from Music Box Film, Music Box Films, and also a documentary, um, which was where was it? Martha, um, hang on. Mar- Martha, a picture story, which is a documentary about a photographer in the uh, famous, I believe, New York photographer from the 70s, and that's coming out through Utopia Distribution. I've got really nothing to say about the films other than their connection to Vinegar Syndrome. (laughs) (laughs) Well, happy to hear it. Uh, I would have skipped over those, but um, I will point out that we have another Korean film, uh, Yourself and Yours from 2016. I kind of dig that cover art. It's very... uh, it has a very modern aesthetic. It's from a distributor called Cinema Guild, which is not known to me, but it looks like they specialize uh, in prestige, like art house cinema, as opposed to uh, schlock, 
uh, so that's refreshing. Uh, we also have a very obvious uh, Lionsgate release in the form of American Fighter from 2019. Um, and Beside that, we have Deadly Force, colon, Mission Budapest, which has Mia Jovovich on the cover, Big as Life and Twice as Ugly. Uh, however, I want to say this is very similar to like a China salesman type situation where it's like, we have Mike Tyson and Steven Seagal, Big as Life and Twice as Ugly on the cover, but they're only in it for a, a couple minutes. It's mm-hmm. actually a Chinese action film that's mostly center at, centered around Chinese people doing action things. And Mila Jovovich is here occasionally. Um <laughs> I don't know if it's good. Uh, I just think it's a curious production where it's like, we got to sell this thing somehow. And I guess that means putting a Western celebrity on the cover. Um, but yeah, I don't know if it's good or bad. Um, but here at the very end, uh, we have a couple of off-date releases. Uh, I know at least one of these you may want to point out here, Brad. This is from May 28th. Um, this is a Vinegar Syndrome release uh, of Six String Samurai which seems to be like the the prestige release for this month from them is that right yeah it, it is a 4k uh i don't know much about the film in all honesty but yeah it seems like uh people are making a pretty big deal about it so it's uh you know getting people are losing their minds over this thing the internet is a buzz with this release yeah i i haven't seen this movie i remember my family rented it but it was on one of those days where i was going to like sleep over at a friend's house so it, it was at that time period where it's like Trevor doesn't need to see this. <laughs> it's like he'll either be bored or not get it, mm-hmm. or it'll be too racy for him or something. Uh, so I never saw it, but I, I know it by reputation. It is supposed to be quite good. Yeah. And um, then, uh, also uh, Surf Two coming from Vinegar Syndrome on the same day, which is not a sequel. I believe there is no Surf One. It is just they went straight into Surf Two. And from what I can tell, it's just kind of like a very goofy sort of uh, like parody of like, you know, a teenage beach party film. Um, there might be some sort of supernatural elements. Yeah, I guess there is some sort of zombies element in it as well. But uh, kind of a curious release from them. It's not one that's at the top of my pile. I watched the trailer they released for it and I don't know. It didn't seem like it'd be for me. So it does kind of a zombie two thing where yeah. it's like, it's called zombie two. Where's zombie one? It's like, don't ask. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I don't know if it's the first time it's coming out in HD on a physical format, but we also have Baywatch. Uh, the, it, I believe it's the entire series minus maybe Baywatch nights or whatever. Um, but 1989 to 1989, get your, uh, David Hasselhoff, uh, fix right here, folks. Um, so I think that's about it for the month of May 2021, but uh, as is customary, we'll wrap things up here with just uh, pointing out any anything that we may buy or rent. Uh, so I'll let Brad have a minute to collect his thoughts as I scroll backwards through the release calendar here and cite uh, any of my pickups. Uh, so I mentioned Deliver Us From Evil. That is a 100% certain uh, purchase on my part, uh, so that's at least one. Uh, Arion is still a maybe at this point for me, but pretty sure I might end up picking that up. Uh, I do want to see the hand. I'm not going to blind buy that one, but I really do want to see it. It's long been on that list. Um, sorry, Dragonheart 5 movie collection. <laughs> not this time. <laughs> uh, Drunken Master 2 is, is a maybe. Um, I do want to see that movie again in HD, but I actually have seen it 
not too long ago, so it's not like a super high priority at this moment. Uh, like I said, Last Action Hero on 4K, the Steelbook that is, uh, is already uh, paid for and is on its way to me. So that's at least a, one other purchase I have. Uh, I already got Drive, so that's another one. Uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, as soon as I find out the state of that disc, like if it's kosher or not, yeah, sure, why not? I'm yeah, buyer beware. And uh, Speed, I am, on the, I am on the prowl for Speed. 4k minus the steelbook i don't want the p case um haven't found it yet but most certainly will be picking that up big fish is a maybe i much like the hand i absolutely do need to see it though so um it's first time in a long time that trevor has a lot of confirmed purchases for for one of these catching up on blu-rays but uh how about you brad um yeah so i probably will get uh speed and big fish 4k i definitely want to watch uh both of those again um, let's see. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. That's definitely a potential uh, Barnes & Noble Criterion sale purchase. Uh, I would be waiting for that sale, though. I'm not going to buy it full price. Um, Last Action Hero. I thought I was going to be waiting for the standard release. I guess I'm not, so I'm getting the Steelbook this month. I'll be getting that. Um, Drunken Master 2. I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I, I want to own it, but I did just watch it recently so i don't know if i'm gonna buy it right away um definitely want to see minari and the father probably won't purchase them snake eyes is already in my cart that's that's going full force full steam ahead and uh i think that's it i don't think there's really anything in the last week that'll be picking up um but the nest i don't know if i'll buy the nest right away but the nest is one that i would say comes highly recommended for me at the very least well, they aren't necessarily uh, May 2021 releases, but Vinegar Syndrome's uh, sale coming up here. I, you certainly know Brad's going to be picking something up. Yeah, me. I got to save my money for that. So, I mean, unfortunately, exactly. I'll be on the road when the sale launches at midnight. I might have to pull over. So we'll see. I don't know if I can wait until hey, I get to my you, destination. You're going to have to pee sometime. And That's true. Hopefully the, hopefully the shit can will have Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but that's about it for uh, catching up on Blu-ray from May 2021. Uh, but before we go, uh, Brad, would you like to let the folks at home know where they can find you and your podcast? Oh, of course. Uh, it's the Cinema Speak podcast. Wherever you find podcasts, wherever you listen to them, you can search for us. Uh, you can also follow us on social media, on Twitter, at the Cinema Speak, on Instagram, Cinema Speak Podcast. And you can listen to us online at cinemaspeak.libsyn.com. All right. Very well said, B-Rad. Thanks again for being here as always. But um, if you'd like to catch up on any of our Catching Up on Cinema content, uh, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. We also have a couple of social media accounts in the form of an Instagram at catchinguponcinema, as well as a Twitter at catchingcinema. So feel free to hit me up at either of those. Uh, And the podcast is available on pretty much any platform you can imagine, including Cephalopod. uh, So fucking Google it. Uh, But that being said, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time.